welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. Uh, welcome to Bleacher Blums. We've got an exciting episode no. for you. I just found out something <laughs> Tuttle does not know, and it's amazing that he does not know. But I think he's got a lot, had a lot going on. In the last couple of days. So I will cut them a little bit of credit, but it will be fascinating to you listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for this. <laughs> we we have actually found something that Tuttle does not know. But in the meantime, until we get to that point, I want to ask Tuttle, how you doing, man? I know it's been a while. You know, I, just how are you doing? Are you hanging in there? I know you've got a lot going on. I'm doing well, man. All of a sudden with that intro, I feel like I'm on candid camera, like I'm waiting for the, the big reveal. But uh, no, I'm doing I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, it's been an up and down week, but uh, here we are again. And um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing as well as can be expected. Yeah, doing well, Blummer. Are you guys doing okay out there? Yeah, we're doing good. The weather's actually cooled yeah. off, dude. You know what's crazy is that we go from, it's amazing in Houston how quickly the seasons can change. And you go from about 95 in humidity, and then all of a sudden in a massive, you know, crazy thunderstorm, you know, stream of thunderstorms come through. Uh, we have tornado warnings. There was actually one that dropped down uh, in, in Texas really close to us. And all of a sudden behind that become, you know, comes this cold front and we're down to 78 and, and freaky windy. It was crazy windy uh, this week, but we don't have humidity. So that's, that's probably the best thing. We actually are entertaining the idea of having a fall season out here in Houston, but I've been busy uh, you know, in your, you've probably been in this situation. You've played in a lot of charity golf tournaments, and I have played in a ton of charity golf tournaments, especially out here in Houston, just being a local, you know, quote unquote celebrity and being friends with guys like Dan Pastorini, Larry Durker, and some of the guys around here that put on these charity tournaments. Um, I got to host one yesterday, Toys for Kids, F O R E, and it was a blast. It's held at one of the nicer clubs here in Houston, Houston Oaks, which I absolutely love. But uh, it was funny. I'm playing this round of golf, and if you've been in this situation, Tuttle, I want to know if you have. The guy asks me. He goes. He goes. He goes. How many of these have you played? And I've said, oh, I've had to have played in like 30, 40, 50 of these things over the course of my career. And he goes, how many of them have sucked? <laughs> and it's great because you've played in these tournaments where you come in and you have these high hopes. I hope I play with some ringers. I hope we score good. And then you're like, ultimately, I hope they're just not dorks. Yeah. And yeah. I can honestly say that I have played with a couple of groups in the past where I've been like, oh, dear God, you know what? My hamstring, my back, my I got a headache. I got something to do. And I've bailed after like nine nine uh, holes. But uh, Tuttle, have you, how many of these have you played in? And have you been in that awkward situation where you have to kind of, you know, fake an injury to get out of a situation? You know, not so much with the charity golf tournaments. I just think that just adds another little Coors Light or another seltzer to your to your, like, hey, <laughs> where, where's the where's the cart person? That, then you're like, all right, yeah, my back's all right. Like, can we use my putt on this? But um, the weird thing about that question, I was probably played in this, you know, very similar to you, you know, like 30 to 50 golf tournaments, charity golf yeah. tournaments. It's really, for me, the only way I play golf these days. And obviously, I've played in a bunch with you. The thing that gets me about these things, and we know people bring ringers, um, but you know, every time I go, I'm thinking, Hey, maybe I could hit a long drive. I'm not a long driver, but you know, maybe I'll win the long drive contest or maybe we'll do something. And I remember just to go back in the, uh, in the old history, uh, the, the, the past when you and I were playing and you know, our lovely, oh, golf I love guest, this story. I'm, Johnny I'm so, Adams. This is, this is, this is me yeah. putting it on a tee for Tuttle right here. Cause go. this is one of the greater moments yeah. in charitable golf tournament yeah. history. Well, 
I, I don't know if, I mean, I hope you know where I'm going with this, but Johnny Adams, uh, a looper in his own right, fantastic guy, mayor of San Clemente and an outstanding golfer. I mean, really low handicap. And then me, Blummer, you know, we, we're weekend warriors, but, you know, athletes, you know, hacks. hand-eye coordination. Yeah, we're hacks, but whatever. But we can put some stuff together, right, in a, in a oh, scramble. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, flashes of brilliance. That's right. Flashes of brilliance, right? Our, our, uh, our floor is not where you want it to be. You want that floor a little bit higher. But, man, our ceiling's pretty damn good, I think. So, anyway... Um, we were on fire. We were on fire. We had a we had we purchased a few uh uh you know what do they call those mulligans I guess so you know you're allowed to get one or two mulligans per player and so we all take advantage of that and everybody likes to bring a ringer or two and you know Johnny was certainly our ringer but more of a looper ringer not a like superb yeah, stupendous he was a, he was player a ringer. Slash ringer yeah yeah he's 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 a great guy to play with. I think we finished at like 16 under, you know, 18 holes. We were pretty good, and we just missed getting closer. We're like, woo, 16 under. I mean, legit 16 under, played it the way it was, didn't even get in the top three at this tournament at a at a school, like a small school. It wasn't like it was, like you said, the Houston Open oh. charity thing, or it wasn't like they got pro golfer on each squad. It was like... The guys in, in third place got 18 under. There was two teams at 20 under and another team at like 21 under. And you're thinking, give me a break. Like, I mean, how many holes in ones, how many whatever. So the thing that stands out at these charity tournaments, and I don't know, maybe this is like youth sports too. You always think, hey, we have a really good team this year. And then you always play these stacked teams. But I just felt like it is for charity. We go out and have a really good time. But I guess I just got to stop getting my hopes up that I'm actually going to, you know, run into a third place or a second place finish. I always want that like Callaway driver they're giving away for third place, and it just mm -hmm. never seems to uh, come to fruition. So there's always, there's always two or three groups in those tournaments that, you know, their eraser isn't left on their pencil, and all of a sudden they're 24 <laughs> under. And yeah. you're going, how in the hell in 18? You, did you literally eagle every single hole that you went out there yeah. and played? It's unreal. Yeah. It so I'm with you on that. But I wanted, to, I wanted to talk about, I think we were playing Dove Canyon out in California. And we were, we were on a particular hole. It was downhill, maybe 250 yards to the green. You know, we hit kind of a shady tee shot. So we were 250 yards away on this par five. And we're like, how in the hell? And... John Adams is like, well, if we hit like, you know, if you hit a low stinger, hit this hill, run it down there. Mm -hmm. You reached into your bag, grabbed your driver, and you know how you can kind of place the ball? So we gave it a little bit of a turf tee. You can lift you know clean you in place. I remember there was a little yeah. heel stomp and a placement. I there do was remember a heel that. stomp, get, <laughs> elevate the grass a little bit, just gently place that golf ball on there. And you tore into one with your driver and put it about 15 feet from the hole. Dude, I do remember that. Look, you're making me- deck. You're making me sound better than I am. This is what happened. It was strategy all the way. We had the looper, and John goes, here, let me hit my whatever, my three iron or my five wood, and he hit one up about 10 or 15 yards short of the green. So now we know we're mm -hmm. all in play. We're good to go. And they're like, all right, let's take a whack at it. So, you know, blind squirrel finds a nut. Like you said, the the floor is pretty, yeah, there you go. The floor is pretty deep. <laughs> you look like Tommy boy. <laughs> his coat doesn't quite fit him the muscles are there <laughs> anyway yeah so we we've certainly had some fun with these charity golf tournaments i guess the winning part isn't uh essential but man i guess when when we had john adams and we were on fire one day i kind of was like 
I was walking around super confident thinking, man, we got, we got a good chance to get in the money here and uh, no chance. So, but uh, yeah, you, you sound like uh, with charity golf season, I didn't even know there was a season. Oh man. Um, it's wearing you out in uh, Houston, but at least you're getting to play in them. I thought yesterday when you said you got to host it or MC it, I thought you weren't even playing, which that would be, I guess, worse. But. Well, I, I got to play in it, but uh, you know, a lot of the focus is, is afterwards when you got to MC the <laughs> event and remember names that you're thanking and, you know, make sure everybody's appropriately taken care of. So nobody gets offended by what you say and, and things like that. But, uh, it went really well. It was a lot of fun. They raised a ton of money, but that's obviously the purpose of those, but it always lends itself to some of these crazy stories and some of these wild shots. And, uh, with the way the wind was blowing yesterday too, it was, it was a yard sale with some of these mm-hmm. things. And just for those listening, if you, if this is your first time listening to Bleacher Blums, uh, you got David Tuttle out there on the left coast, myself, Jeff Blum here in Houston, and we come together to get uh, together in the bleachers and talk about sports, talk about some of our experiences in pro baseball. Tuttle has plenty of experience playing professional baseball and going to college and being a pitcher. I played uh, b- professional baseball and in college also, uh, but I'm on the hitter side. So we uh, compare notes, talk about some things here on the bleachers. And uh, you can get to uh, Tuttle at Real David Tuttle on Twitter and on Instagram. And of course, myself at Blummer27, both on Instagram and Twitter. And if you really just want to get in contact and stay up to date on what Bleacher Blums is doing, make sure you go to at Bleacher Blums on both Instagram and Twitter. And uh, we don't have a huge show, but we're right in the middle of the World Series. And currently, the Atlanta Braves are up 2-1 to one over the Astros. It was a pretty ugly uh, uh, loss. I was going to almost say ugly win, but it was a great win for the Atlanta Braves at Game 3 in Atlanta. I want to talk a little bit about that. I've got some ideas. I've, 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 found, I've found through the course of this season that the Astros are an all-or-nothing type team. When they are good, they are the best team on the planet. When they are bad, it seems to be that they are the worst team on the planet. And I've just got a couple of ideas and numbers to throw at everybody who's listening. Uh, I've got a couple of guys, unfortunately, on the Astros roster that I am going to pick on a little bit. And it's just because if you've been listening to Bleacher Blums before this it might have been – well, I know before this, the playoffs started, I had expectations on these guys. But when the World Series started, I really put it on these three guys, and they have been underperforming. And that's why I think the Astros' offense is kind of struggling. But I've got to ask Tuttle a question. This is ev- what everybody's been waiting for. <laughs> now, there was an incident earlier this week, and it went – viral on the internet. I saw pundits talking about it. I didn't know if it was real or not. That's how ex- extensive this this uh, conspiracy went. And uh, I'm, I'm assuming it's a conspiracy because I haven't really seen too many confirmed reports. But a tweet came out or a statement came out from PETA and what you know? What is that? The the ethical treatment of uh, yes. animals. You know. Yes. So the legit PETA said that the bullpen should not be called the bullpen because it is offensive to bulls. Tuttle, what's your reaction to that? And I've got what they are going to call it or want to call it after I hear your reaction to this. All right. Well, now I don't feel like I I had my head in the sand too much. I'm all right with that. So um, first of all, um, my dog uh, weighs about 13 pounds, 12 pounds. I think his brain is the size of a walnut. <laughs> and I I believe that when I go outside and take the trash out and I come back in, he has no flipping idea how long that I've been gone. Like he's like, "What? Oh my god, you're back. This is amazing." 
So, I mean, if you're really truly asking me for a sincere response, I mean, so I've got one better than that. A couple of years ago, I did hear a rumor again. I don't know if it was real. Um, there was a committee to change manhole cover to something like person hole cover. <laughs> so, I, I mean, you know, do I need I say more? I mean, I think we put it in the same category. I, I don't think the bulls care. The bulls do not give a shit. And, and I mean. Oh, how dare you? Can we keep saying bullshit? Oh, bullshit. that's offensive yeah, to bulls. Like oh, there you go. I have Ooh, that written down. Gonna, How about horses? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> horses, horses may be offended by that. That's too. right. Or you that's know, horse. yeah. So there you go. I just I don't I don't understand it, and I think it's just you know. I mean, you're saying it's uh, legitimate, and maybe it was a way for PETA to um, attract some looks and some likes and some listens. But um, oh man, yeah. I mean, obviously, or I think it's ridiculous. What we all think about them. That's right. I mean, I think it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, here, oh, so here's, a, I, I actually have a legitimate, like, thought out um, response to that, which is I, I was watching, um, maybe it was the beginning of the World Series, of game one or uh, a baseball show where they talked about how can of corn became uh, part of mm -hmm. uh, the lexicon of baseball. And obviously, it was in the old days when they had these general stores, the cans of corn and stuff were up on top. And um, those were the most common things. And they'd use a stick to knock them down and catch them. And they would say, ah, you know, just like a can of corn. So there you go. So, I mean, I don't think corn is offended. I don't think the bulls are offended. <laughs> um, I can see, a, I can see a, a scenario where PETA hasn't been heard from in a while. We were tired of seeing the Sarah McLaughlin commercials, and they probably just need to, <laughs> you know, they probably needed to, to jump on board and, and you know, kind of rile the, rile the masses. But, I mean, come on, really? Okay. So, so they they proceeded to to suck us in by saying that bulls are offended, but they wanted to call it, and it's actually kind of interesting, arm barn for the mm. bullpen. Love it. It it sounds cool. It does. I love it. Let's do it. What what if your bullpen? What if your bull? What if your arm barn sucks? Do you call it the armpit? <laughs> Look at you. You've written <laughs> some stuff down. You got material. You know what? I like it. Call it down to the arm barn. The arm barn. You mean the armpit? <laughs> Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's the armpit, like an armpit is, today, Skip. Who are we going to choose out of the armpit? I will say this: the Braves are not an armpit right now. They're a solid arm no. barn down there. But yeah, that's, their arm that's, barn's going to be coming at them today. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna. But we'll be, you know, we'll get into that a little bit. But they, the Braves cannot be called an armpit right now. Um, yeah. I, you know, I mean, Blummer, come on. I mean, I know you asked me because I had no <laughs> idea this was going on. But really, I mean, what what do you think sincerely about something like this? I mean, a publicity stunt, or I mean, what? Oh yeah. Why do we have to go around and change anything? You just don't need to put that much energy into it, do you? I mean, come I'm on. I'm I'm just glad in this day and age where you have to be hyper careful about what you say that they actually it almost it almost feels as if they're making a mockery of the cancel woke culture by doing that where they're kind of like, that's it. Bulls are yeah. upset. I talked to my bull the other day and my bull snorted back at me and said, "Bullpens are offensive. We're going with it." But I mean, I think it's all just a, a mockery of the situation. It's the World Series. The timing of it's too good, and it's created such a stir. And of course, everything that comes out on the internet, the first, what, two million people who look at it actually believe it until we actually unfold this thing and get a chance yeah. to look behind the scenes and go, okay, they were messing with this. It got me. You got me. But uh, just thought it was a lot of fun. I just wanted to poke a little fun at it I and then it. say, you know, what, what is PETA going to do when they find out what baseballs are made of? or gloves, or footballs, and basketballs, <laughs> then they're really going to freak out. I love it. Yeah, the bulls and the cows are not going to be too happy about that. No. Hey, um, so I know we're going to get into the World Series. You texted last night, 
you texted producer Mark and myself both that uh, the Astros are all or nothing. Let me do the usual Tuttle thing before I uh, let you take the lead here, which is, you know, come on, people, get get down off the tower. You're fine. You were down to the Red Sox two to one, and everybody in the entire planet yes. outside of Houston thought, oh my God, the Red Sox are hot to go. They're ready to roll. They've got, you know, Eovaldi on the mound and, you know, you're down two to one and they got their starter coming and, you know, the Astros are fine. So this is always reminding me of the NFL that every week it's like Aaron Rodgers, oh my God, he has worst game ever. Well, guess what? They're seven and one now. Like Mm -hmm. this is a long kind of drawn out season. Dusty Baker's a smart manager. I think the Braves are doing really well. I actually think most of them were shocked yesterday by the cold weather. I think that definitely had an effect on the game. Nobody likes to hit in cold weather. Pitchers have somewhat of an advantage. And now we've talked about velocity on this show. I mean, I mean, until Bregman decided to really like choke up and like push the ball through the hole in the ninth inning, um, you know, I mean, it really looked like guys were just kind of you know, I mean, there were a few hard hit balls, but it, it was just, I think you can put chalk up last night a lot to the elements and, you know, kind of the shock of, oh my gosh, we thought, you know, we were going to have a warmer game and all of a sudden it's sleet and kind of chilly. So I think, you know, Houston fans, when you listen to this, hopefully uh, we're looking at like 2-2 or 3-2 and, um, and uh, you have no worries. I mean, I think if you want to hit the panic button, at least wait till after tonight's game. So... Blummer, go ahead. All or nothing. No, I, I completely agree. And I and you know there are some numbers I want to throw out there to actually back up what Tuttle's talking about because I do believe that the Astros have an opportunity, and this is very similar to the way that championship series went, where the Astros found themselves down two to one in that Boston series. But I'm going to take a break, get a quick, uh, quick sponsor. Freaking. All right, let's take a, a break to, to hear from our sponsors here on the Blue Wire Podcast. Network. Do over. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Thank you to our sponsors, and thank you to Tuttle for cleaning that thing up and getting us out to that break. Now we are back, and I'm going to continue with the optimism that Tuttle was bringing to you because we did compare it to that Boston Red Sox series. And to Tuttle's point, they were the Astros were actually in a tougher position, I believe, having to face Nathan Eovaldi, who was you know the, the Boston Red Sox best pitcher, but they found a way to fight through that. And just some of the numbers that I want to be able to throw at everybody who's listening to this podcast up until this point. So we are, as it stands and as we record, the Atlanta Braves are up two to one in the series. The Astros almost got no hit, and they are they're brutal in losses. It's amazing. So the Astros offense in losses are hitting 180 with a 546 OPS, 
four home runs and are averaging 3.2 runs a game. Now, the ERA in those losses, 8.47. So as much as you want to put it on the offense, it's equally as bad on the uh, pitching side. Now, in wins, 311 is the batting average. The OPS jumps just over 300 points to 861. 10 home runs, 7.5 runs per game. More than enough. But guess what? The ERA in that time, 1.75 in those wins. So Tuttle, they just got to go out there and perform. If they put up numbers, they win, man. You're right. It's a team game. Isn't it funny? Offense, defense, and special teams. It's like, hey, when you see the (laughs) offense, defense, special teams go, you're like, all right. This is, you know, I mean, you can lose it in any facet, but it does sound like um, they're simpatico, let's put it that way. So when the pitching's terrible, Mm -hmm. the offense stinks. And when the offense gets on the board and starts some good things rolling, the pitching pitches with more confidence. Ooh, that sounds very abrupt. Pitches, pitching, pitch, pitch. Anyway, the pitching is more solid, obviously, when the offense and, you know, I mean, I think that that typically would go hand in hand, but the numbers you just read are a little bit startling in the sense that you would, you know, uh, when you have that number one starter, which we talked about last podcast, those guys are good at, you know, kind of covering some of the wounds you have. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest, you know, Garcia threw uh, really well last night. So, I mean... Yeah, he only gave up one yeah. run. I mean, he looked really good. So, but, but that's just a. I mean, and and I agree with you. You you mentioned it earlier. I think it's a testament to how well, uh, you know, Ian Anderson pitched. You know, the going five shutout. That's a whole controversy in itself. But I think in the postseason, you're focused on wins. You're not focused on no hitters. Right. And the way the game has evolved, and Snicker even said he goes, "I was watching him. He looked a little gassed. Yeah. Uh, some of the swings were better. Guys were hitting the ball hard. I got him out of there. Yeah. So you know." I will give Snicker a little bit of a pass in the sense that, you know, of course we want to see a no-hitter in the World Series. I think Don Larson is the only one that had a perfect game slash no-hitter in a World Series game. So, of course, we want to witness history. But at the same time, the manager's thinking, win, baby, that's it. Um, How did you feel about seeing uh, Anderson come out after five innings and go into that bullpen in a no-hit situation? I do have a couple of thoughts on that. So did Halliday throw one in the World Series? A no hitter. Uh, he, he was in was the division the, series. Thank you. Okay, so playoffs, yep. which made that was the first one, or obviously the first one. I think one those were the Larson only two in the thrown playoffs. in all of playoff games. Correct. So I mean, That's to your true. point, only two. Right. I just wanted to make sure that Halliday didn't do it in the World Series, but you're right. Um, anyway, so you know, it's funny because as a player, and I'm sure you would have this if you have teammates and stuff. I would not want to come out of the game there. Then when they put up the uh, stats at the end of the game, his strike rate was uh, 51.3%. So I think he threw whatever. Out of 60 pitches, he had like 39 strikes. And you're like, oh, gosh. I mean, he was barely over 50%, which, of course, that just lends itself to the commentator saying, oh, he's effectively wild, right? So he was expanding the zone. The hitters were expanding with him. Until that point. But it wasn't like he was dotting the – yeah, that's right. It wasn't like he was dotting the catcher's glove and it wasn't like he had everybody. He had a lot of full counts, a lot of deep counts. I also think there's a huge difference, and I'm saying this from a managerial perspective now or a GM perspective, huge difference when it's 0-0 or one nothing in a playoff game. Yeah. You know, you're watching those guys. I mean, you know, you have a plan. This is where the analytics can tell you. You know, if you're with the Royals a couple of years ago and they're gonna go seven, eight, nine with those three dudes they had then you just have to get through six. And that is your plan to get through Mm -hmm. six. If it was four to nothing or five to nothing, guaranteed he would not come out. And then, you know, he could throw a fit and actually have a good case. But, you know, taking the unbiased kind of managerial approach, I think it was totally fine to take him out. And, you know, in hindsight, we were always the one going, hey, what what was the manager thinking? It's like, hey, in hindsight now, it was exactly... 
absolutely the right thing to do. So we can't crush Snicker for that. No, great stuff. That's you know that's why Tuttle is out here. That is why you've got to look at the entire picture of things. And I, and granted, you know, there's so much emphasis and so much you know uh, nitpicking in the in the World Series because everything's under a microscope. But I think Snicker really narrowed it down and said, I just want to win. Yeah. The, you know, Anderson, you know, he said. You know, it would have been great, but at the same time, he wants these guys want a ring. They want to yep. establish themselves as World Series champions. And that means going to the bullpen. And for the Braves, it has been locked down. Yeah. You know, it was pretty amazing to see how those guys came out. We're absolutely blowing cheese. You know, Matzik at 99, making Brantley look slow and stuff like that. So it's pretty crazy. But I agree with you, you know, going back to a thought you had earlier. I think that weather did kind of throw the Astros off a little bit. It didn't seem to affect uh, the pitching. But it does affect the hitters, and I think that's more or less to your point because both offenses, even though there were, you know, the the Braves won, they only won with two runs. There was one home run from Darno, but there wasn't this explosive offensive, uh, you know, juggernaut in this game. It was both pitching staffs did an extremely good job, except for maybe a couple of bad pitches that maybe found some holes, but. The cold weather, I re- I've always believed, favors the pitcher instead of the hitter. Yeah, no, it's like playing uh, football in the rain, or you know, the wide receiver knows where he's going, and the defender's got to follow him. So I feel the same way about the uh, about the pitching and defense in the in the cold weather. I did want to ask you what you thought about Ian uh, Anderson coming out. I mean, I don't think you just because you're a hitter doesn't mean you obviously don't have two cents on that. I mean. It, you want the ring, right? I mean, is that it? What Snicker said is the right answer. You guys want to win, and mm-hmm. you want the ring. I don't think Matzik really cared about giving up that hit either, which that should have been that should have been caught by Rosario no. as well. So no, it should have been. I'm fine with. I'm fine with. I, I know that. It, I, I obviously want to witness history, but at the same time, I don't. I don't think it's it's an awful thing. You know, you got to figure out what the better option is. I talked to Larry Durker a couple times about managing, and he was an ex pitcher. You know, back in the '60s and '70s, where he went the length of the game as often as he could. And his response to pitchers always was, you know, what's my better option? Is my better option, you know, uh, an Ian Anderson who's not throwing a lot of strikes but still effective or somebody coming out of the pen throwing 100 miles an hour in this cold weather? And I think the answer is obvious, you know, go to that bullpen and finish this thing off. But during the regular season, I would have been upset saying, oh, man, give the kid a chance kind of thing because this might have been his night. Yeah. But I have no problem with it in the World Series at all. Yeah, and, and the way their bullpen is going is oh, – No, their bullpen's been lights out. Uh, but there, I'm going to pick on a couple of guys and let me know if I'm incredibly wrong. Um, Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, and Carlos Correa. They are the three horsemen in this lineup. And Alex Bregman in the playoffs overall, 250, one home run, six RBIs in 13 games. Carlos Correa, 255, one home run, seven RBIs. And Altuve, get this, has four home runs and eight RBIs, but he's hitting 189. And I've got some real big discrepancies and wins and losses if you want to hear them a little bit later. But I just want to hear your thoughts on how well Atlanta's handling those three guys and do you expect them to turn things around? You know, I mentioned Altuve on the last podcast. I think he's the catalyst for the whole thing. And, um, you know, he's all or nothing. And I compared him to Steph Curry, right? Like he's just going to keep shooting. He's going to keep swinging. Last night I'm like, man, go be a little more patient, you know? And he swung at two breaking balls right out of the chute. And I was like, I I give Bregman and, and Correa, I mean, if you're hitting 255 in these short series i mean bregman still looks same with correa they're battling up there i mean they're just seeing some good stuff and i you watch luke jackson um just keep climbing the ladder on him 
if you're a good fastball hitter and you see 97 at the letters, you're going to swing at that. I'm sorry. It's just not, it's just not easy to hit. So it's kind of like, you know, everybody talks about your reaction time, but man, that ball is really hard to lay off. And, you know, Correa is still hitting 250, 250. And, you know, if they hit 280 during the season and 250 in a short season means they're probably still giving you some of the same at bats, some of the same battling. I think, I think what you see as Houston fans, you see, you expect more in the playoffs, right? Who's stepping up? But I mean, even look at the Braves, you know, Rosario stepped up. He was kind of, you know, not their guy during the season. We're not hearing a lot from Freeman. Freeman and Riley are still a big presence in the lineup. Obviously, Riley's having mm-hmm. a really good series. But I'm just saying, you know, it's too it's too much pressure. I mean, if they were hitting 070 or 100 like Altuve, so I mean, I guess the long answer is, Altuve is kind of the catalyst. And I think if Altuve can get going for these next two or three games and up his average, I mean, you got Tucker in there. Um, I did think uh, Jordan should have been more patient last night. I mean, I know you see a pitch, you want a pitch, but you just see those things. And gosh, I know as a pitcher, man, if I can get a guy swing first pitch and pop out, oh my gosh, like the confidence it gives me, you know, you have this Mm -hmm. mound meeting and they're like, oh, here's Jordan. He's hitting 800 off left-handers and hits everybody and he mashes and you throw him a breaking ball and he pops out. You're like, yes. So (laughs) I think some, some patience with all the hitters, you know, and not trying to do too much. And I think this will wrap it up. This is the best way to put it. When you have Bregman and Correa and Altuve and Jordan Alvarez and Tucker, I mean, you don't have to do it all. I mean, this is why they're such mm-hmm. a good team. And you were talking about the numbers. I think everybody's tr- probably, you know, pressing a little too much to be the guy. And on a team like that, man, spread the floor and get the ball to your guys when they're open. And I think the hitters could do the same thing. Just just be a little more patient. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are. You're the hitter here. I mean, what did you what it what was your reaction watching Jordan swing at that first pitch? I'm just curious if you uh, had like a like kind of a gut reaction or anything. No, it, well, Jordan's a guy that knows he can affect a game with one swing, so I think he right. gets a little aggressive sometimes saying, there's a runner on base. I'm going to swing at the first one. I'm going to hit it nine miles. I think he gets a little excited at times instead of picking a pitch or a zone that he can go attack and try and drive the ball out of the ballpark because he is that kind of dynamic hitter where he can change games with one swing of the bat. For sure. And I think, too, when, you get, uh, when you're a hitter and you panic a little bit, you swing earlier because you figure that's going to be one of the best pitches that you get before you get to two strikes and you start to see some of the funk so you know and that's all part of the learning curve for a guy like Jordan he, he hasn't been in the league all that long and he's had surprising success because of how good he is but I also think that he gets a little aggressive in certain situations where I think he kind of feels like the team is relying on him because he has been watching Altuve, Bregman, and Correa struggle a little bit so he's going to kind of try and put that on his back and go for it but uh, I want to give you some numbers in losses through the postseason for the uh, for for the Astros, Alex Bregman is hitting 222, zero extra base hits, respectable batting average. So that means he's getting on base, maybe scoring a couple runs. Carlos Correa in losses this postseason for the Astros, one for 17. Jose Altuve, this one's going to blow your mind, dude. In losses in the postseason for Jose Altuve, o o for 20. Yeah, bagel. So that goes to your point that he's the catalyst. Now, in the World Series, just to you know, give you some more numbers and just create all kinds of panic, and by the time you are listening to this, hopefully these numbers flip. Bregman is one for nine in the World Series. Uh, Carlos Correa, one for 10. And Jose Altuve, two for 13 in the World Series. That is a combined four hits for those guys in that, uh, in that batting order for the Astros. So those numbers need to change. And when they do, the Astros win. Yep. 
and they're just trying to do too much. I mean, you you agree with that? I mean, you were saying well, Jordan good can pitching, change the and thing. they're trying yep. to do too much. I mean, the, the Braves are good, man. Oh my gosh, they're really good. You know, it's funny to watch um, Matzik throw ninety nine and um, uh, uh, Ginter throw Minter, excuse me, throw Minter. Uh, yeah, yeah, Minter. That's what, so Minter's throwing, you know, ninety seven from the left side. And then you bring out Will Smith, who throws about 93 or 94. But what I didn't know about him last night watching him is that slider's invisible. And it just, (laughs) I mean, it disappears on righties and lefties. I mean, it must be really hard to pick up the spin. Bregman did a really good job in his at bat. He swung at the first one, then he laid off the two that were off his back foot, and then he hit a fastball through the other side. And I was just thinking, all right, so that's what I'm saying about being patient and not trying to do too much. But it's crazy when you see these lefties come out throwing 96 to 99, and then you got Will Smith coming in. You're like, oh, breath of fresh air. But his slider looks pretty tough. Um, I think based on the series we saw with the Braves and the Dodgers, I mean, if you can get Luke Jackson in the game, I mean, last night they had a couple hard hit balls. It seems like he's the guy Mm -hmm. right now, even though he had a fantastic season that they can you know, do some damage on if they're going to still rely on him. And as you mentioned already earlier in the podcast, this is supposed to be a bullpen game today for them. They don't have a starter since uh, Morton got hurt, so it'll be really interesting to uh, – and that's a bummer for them too with Morton going down. And yeah. I know you said like Lance McCullers is out, Morton's out. I mean, you know, this is something we can't – it's not fair or – you know, partial to one team over another. Everybody's kind of down some horses, but you know, who's gonna who's gonna rise to the top? We we shall see. We shall see. And I've got a question for you because we are recording on an odd day. It's Saturday, and I want you know all that World Series talk is great. Hopefully, it does go the Astros' way. I'm much like you, David Tuttle, where I believe that the Astros are going to flip the script a little bit and go on the offensive and put up some runs. But I'm sitting here watching football today. And the one game I was watching in particularly was the Michigan State-Michigan game. There's a lot of fascination Ooh, around it. I was it. watching that too. Yeah, big rivalry. You've got Harbaugh on one side. You've got Spartans on the other side, you know, interstate. And uh, they're one, what the Wolverines are ranked eighth currently. The Michigan State uh, is ranked ninth. And I'm just sitting there watching that game going, dude, I'm so jealous of these guys right now because I'm thinking about my California Golden Bears. I don't think they've been good. And I actually saw this on on Twitter today. I think I can't remember if it was Cal Athletics, but they remembered uh, Jeff Tedford uh, for the uh, Cal Bears head coach. Did great. Had Aaron Rodgers under his under his watch. Yep. And those are some good times. Marshawn Lynch, Deshaun Jackson, some of these studs that came out of Cal. And I'm going, where are those days gone? And how come they can't get them back? Cal football is absolutely atrocious right now. And it's tough to watch. So I was asking, do you, did Santa Clara have a football team? Uh, Division two that left my sophomore year. I was going to play football and baseball there until my baseball coach said, nope. Something we didn't know about Tuttle. This is great. There you go. UC Davis also. So had they were Division D2. Two football. Yep. And then they, they had a really good football program. Santa Clara football went to the Orange Bowl in 1962. Stat of the day. I think the last time, you know, it's funny you bring that up. I think the last time the Bears were any good was... Uh, might have been my freshman year around 91, 92 at Cal when they finished ranked eighth and they yeah. did play in the Orange Bowl. Uh, that, that's too funny. But we could probably unpack it a little bit. I mean, you know, I think the, the for lack of a better word, the scholarly schools, right? Cal and Stanford and schools like that, they're always kind of up and down anyway. But I mean, True. I've been up to Berkeley. My son's looking at Berkeley as one of his schools. It's a very um, liberal school. 
Uh, it's very open-minded and it's very um, progressive. And I think, you know, if you're an athlete, a young five-star, four-star athlete, and you go up to that campus and you kind of meander around, and I know you were there for a while. I mean, I think the- Your eyes are like this, the first like semester. Oh, yeah. Just going, yeah. what the heck's going Absolutely. on up here? Is there a guy wearing no clothes in a backpack? Yep, that's him. Yeah, he's oh, yeah. just the naked he's man. In, and oddly, oddly enough, he's in my anatomy class. How about there that? There you go. That's funny. Well, that'll help me. I don't have to look at this chart. Um, you know, you're absolutely right, but I, I just think that has a lot to do with it. I really do. And I, and I happen to like Stanford. My dad went to uh, business school at Stanford and that was kind of our team for a while, but same thing, you know, they had a couple of good years when they got, um, you know, luck as a quarterback. I know bears, Cardinal, come on. Tree hugger. Fear the tree, fear the tree, Blummer. But, I, but, but I think your question is more broad than that. I just think Sonny Dykes was, you know, really highly touted coach and he left kind of under a shadow or whatever. Now he's at SMU doing really well. It's kind of like, oh, no. So he goes to a school where people want to play for him and he can coach and actually have some sort of say. So I haven't looked at it. You threw that question kind of off the cuff, but, um, but yeah, it's a little disappointing. The PAC 12 is kind of specifically Cal, Stanford, um, you know, some of the other schools, Washington used to be a really good football powerhouse. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, it's either Oregon or nothing. And, um, you know, I can't wait for s- some of those things to, you know, I guess turn. It's, it seems to be more cyclical, cyclical with the Pac-12. Yeah, it does. So I, my, I guess my final question before we wrap this thing up is, is there a particular foot, like college football team that you do watch? Ooh, that's a great question. Not coming from a college football school, you mean? Well, I just kind of hinted, like Stanford's always kind of been, I love their coach. I know I can't can't, root against Stanford, but I mean, um, is there a team I like? Um, That's a really good question. I do not like wake up on Saturday mornings. Like, you know, I do like Coach Harbaugh, but Mm -hmm. they were up 20 points and now they're about to lose. It looks like 37, 33. Oh, man. They were up. They were up thirty to fourteen when I when I when we started this That's podcast. When we started this podcast, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I guess I I do not have. I'm not a diehard college football. Guy. I liked Boise State when uh, when uh, they oh, were yeah. kind of the up and comer, you know, back then. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean, are you? I guess you have to be partial to the Bears, but you can't get up. You can't get excited. That was your reason for asking. Do you wake? I don't even know no. who the coach at Cal is now that Sonny Dykes left. Who's the Cal coach, Blummer? Gosh, you know what's, yes. what's pathetic is I that I've met him, spot. but I have no idea who he is. Yes. Uh, yeah, and I've completely checked out on him. And not, also because their game started at 7 o'clock, so it's 9 o'clock here, and I'm not going to stay up and watch that mess. Yeah. Um, but with my girls, like you said, our, you know, our kids are getting old enough to now where they're looking at colleges and doing things like that. My oldest daughter is considering, you know, she's she's applied to a bunch of Southern schools, but now I'm like, oh man, I hope she picks a good school that I can cheer for and start wearing like sweatshirts and totally jumping on the bandwagon. And hopefully it is an SEC school where we can have some fun watching Ooh. some of these games, but because it's a totally different animal from what I grew up with, like you said, with the Pac-12, where there's some enthusiasm for it, but not to the extent that it is here in the South. No, I would love it. And I know I think that the education gets misrepresented. I'm trying to get my son as well. Like all of these schools, including the UCs now that aren't taking, this is exactly where we thought this podcast would go. Um, all the UC schools are not accepting SATs anymore. So it's it's actually- mm-hmm. A lot of schools are like that. Right, but they're saying that it's, uh, much more dependent on the essay and your activities and stuff. But come on, out-of-state people are going to get in at a higher rate at all these schools. So I'm trying to encourage my son, same thing. Like, I want him to get... Dude, what you- <laughs> UC system is only accepting... Last time I checked, UC system is only accepting 18% of out-of-state. They're going oh, all okay. in well, there you I go. It has, I, a lot of it has to do with the funding and grants that they get from being a ah, UC and well, having that's good. Californians go there. 
Because the rumor here is, hey, they want out-of-state tuition, so now they don't take SATs or essays, so now they're only essays, so now they want more out-of-state because the tuition bumps up. But I'm glad actually to hear that from an out-of-state person. But what I was mm-hmm. my point was, is that I want my son to start looking at a bunch of different schools for that very reason. Because uh, I just went to this funeral service this week, and a couple of my friends' kids, uh, one of them goes to Ole Miss. So in Oxford, Mississippi, which I've traveled through playing baseball, I've been to Starkville. I mean, these are fantastic college towns. They're really like Chico, you know, here in California, they're isolated, fairly safe, you know, that kind of thing. And you can be a college kid without having to worry about, like you said, like being, you know, downtown Berkeley or downtown LA, um, you know, if you go to some of the schools out here. So um, I'm glad to hear that your daughter's doing that, but I I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I want my son, although he's not an athlete, he is a, an academic. I want him to go to a school like Michigan so or Wisconsin so I can yeah. root for a football team every weekend. I'm getting a red sweatshirt and woo. Yeah. Going to parents Dude, I weekend. Jump on that bandwagon in a heartbeat. <laughs> exactly. Parents weekend. Yeah, my neighbor's kid, and this is the last thing I'll say. My neighbor's kid just got into Baylor. There, he's a freshman at Baylor, and they had Parents oh, wow. Weekend, and uh, he was just saying how fantastic Baylor is. And he's a SoCal kid <laughs> out there in Waco. Like, all right, here we go. I know, so. but that's the same thing you're talking about. It's a small city. It's based. I mean, that the the, the yeah. draw there is college, and I think that's it's something that my oldest daughter actually looked into because UT is a big school out here, but it's in a big city and it's out of control with the the population growth. So she was like, I want. You know, she wants the focus to be college, and I thought that was, you know, it's a great point. You're looking at it, your son's looking at it. You know, these small cities where you know you're drawing all these fans, and the emphasis is on that school spirit, and I think it's fantastic, yeah. and it's a lot of fun, and I'm more than ready to jump on. I've got four daughters. I'm more than ready to jump on four different bandwagons yeah. so that I have something to look forward to on Saturdays, other than just going, oh, there's a top ten matchup. Let's watch that. You know, you got to figure that you are. You got to figure that you're going to get one out of four. You're somebody's going to go to a school that you can root for. So hopefully, there's not I also a whole thought lot I was going to get one dude out of four too. Eh, I know. Sorry, you're right. You're probably, <laughs> you get one dude out of four. The odds were in your favor. They're not anymore, but they were. Hey, I'm going to leave you with may, one thing, may Blummer, the odds before we get out. Forever be in your I know. favor. We were just yeah. saying that we're, we were going to try and keep this short, but um, I wrote down something this week uh, when um, one of the football teams in the NFL signed a, a gentleman named Chris Blewett. Blewett is a B-L-E-U-I-T-T. He's the kicker from Pitt, and they just signed him. But their quarterback this year, his name's Pickett. So they had Pickett and Blewett, both from Pitt. Pitt. And you're thinking, man, if you're a quarterback, you don't want to be Pickett. Now, if you're a cornerback, but they have Pickett and Blewett. Blewett's in the NFL, and I just think it's hilarious. So at least you know if you live up to your name, you're like, hey, Blewett, okay, that's fine. When I played baseball in Alaska, and this is the question, we had an umpire there named Dave Strike. And he was there every summer, and I think he was a college guy, but it was great. And, you know, we used to give him a heart. You know, I, I thought everything was a strike. Come on, Dave. But um, anyway, so do, can you think of any names? I know I'm putting you on the spot. You gave me the arm barn deal. But yeah. um, can you think of any names yep. that of teammates and stuff where you're like, oh, yeah, you got about 800 of them? Well, no, some of the funniest ones. I mean, obviously, there was a pitcher back in the 60s and 70s. I think it was Dick Pole. That's just funny. Oh, yeah. But yeah, there was a guy, I can't remember what his first name was. It was like, uh, he was a pitcher, and it was recently too. And it was spelled B-A-L-F-O-U-R, Balfour. Oh, yeah, so Balfour. I, <laughs> I know, yeah, Grant Balfour. I know, I played yeah, in summer with him. So, yeah, yeah. So, so that one, that one. I never thought about that. You know, Balfour, Balfour. Yeah. I never even thought about that. See, my brain doesn't work like that. You know who my kids and my wife think has the worst name in baseball? Have I said this before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. Go for Pujols. it. Pujols. Albert Pujols. <laughs> 
They think, <laughs> look, you're laughing too, Pujols. I'm like, it just sounds normal. It sounds like a Hispanic name to me. And they just think like, my wife walks around the house going, man, could you imagine living your whole life named Pujols? And I guess that's, that's, a, that's something to end on, isn't it? Yes, that is outstanding. <laughs> that might go to your PSA. But uh, <laughs> we finished this podcast. We went a little bit long. We appreciate our producer, Mark, putting in the extra effort to chew this one up and spit it out the way it should be. Uh, it's good catching up with you, Tuttle. The World Series is going to continue. But, of course, with the World Series going, we know that uh, there's a lot of law enforcement involved. We know there's a lot of uh, you know frontline workers and a lot of work going in to put these – these championship series on. So we greatly appreciate all of the frontline workers, all of the first responders, all of the essential workers, all the military home and abroad. We greatly appreciate you. We thank you for listening. We actually do have quite a few military who are listening to this. So we uh, bl- want to bless you and everything you do. Uh, hope for your safety and well-being because we uh, uh, just continue to give you our gratitude for the ability to be on here and have have this kind of fun and hopefully you enjoy it too so thank you very much to all of you and Tuttle I'm going to let you finish this thing off again man right on thank you uh, over the age of 45 please get screened for colorectal cancer and here on the Bleacher Blums podcast we encourage you to get after it and believe it believe it He lied about making it easy on you, Mr. Ramos.